I'm Beth Bruno, and you're listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast. This is a podcast for women who wonder how strength and weakness coexist, or how to bless both bravery and tenderness. For those longing to bring the fullness of their glory to the world without a chip on their shoulder. For those who have embraced a global sisterhood and left small storied lives behind, this is for you. The fierce and lovely women seeking the both and of a big storied life. Join me as I chat with fierce and lovely women around the world. In this episode, I talk with Nicole Morgan about what she means when she calls herself a fat acceptance advocate. She's kind of a theologian, and we talk about the true meaning of gluttony and generally how the church can do better regarding body image. Join me in this interview with Nicole Morgan. Hello, Nicole. Hi, Beth. Thanks for being with us today. And, um, joining us here on the Fierce and Lovely podcast. For listeners who may not uh, have come across you yet, Nicole Morgan, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and um, what all you're up to these days? Sure. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be chatting with you and your listeners. So my name is Nicole Morgan, and I am a Christian fat acceptance advocate. Um, And what that means is I talk about our bodies, and particularly fat bodies, and how we see the image of God in those bodies, and what it means for a church and our community to embrace people of all sizes and to see our gifts and the way um, that we are a part of the church and how that helps us to love others better. And I specifically do that by like calling out some fat shame and some anti-fat bias that I've experienced in the church and offering a way that we can do better in honoring people of all sizes. Okay, wow. There was so much in there (laughs) that I'd love to hear more about. So let's back up just a tad, Mm -hmm. a little bit more about your context here. Mm -hmm. You are a recent author. Is that is this your first book? Yes. We're sitting on the shelves now. Yes. It uh, released August 1st, 2018. It's called Fat and Faithful, Learning to Love Our Bodies, Our Neighbors, and Ourselves. And in addition to the first book, you've, you've also been doing a podcast for, is it about a year now? Is that right? Yeah, right at a year. Uh, we've broken that year into two seasons. So we have two seasons of podcast out. It's also called Fat and Faithful. And I co-host that um, with Amanda Martinez Beck, uh, who calls herself a size dignity ad- advocate. Mm-hmm. I love how you each have kind of chosen a uh, an identifier for yourselves that so represents who you are personally, but also probably the people that you're engaging with and how that comes across their ears as well. Yeah. And you're creating a new space, which I guess we'll get into more, but this seems like an entirely new space for the Christian church these days. And so I love that you're kind of trailblazing with these different 
names, titles that you're giving yourselves? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of fun to get to make it up as you go along. Um, we're not the first. There's a, num- there's a few academic books on the topic um, as it relates to faith and Christian faith and size, but it's definitely a new thing. There's not a lot out there. So that's exciting to be able to speak into this. Sure. Um, and so podcast host, new mm-hmm. author, and I know that those are not your day job, are they? You have another hat you wear. <laughs> yes, I am. I work full time for a nonprofit uh, working on like international policy. So it's completely different. So I have these very, very different sides of my world, um, but they're both faith-based. So they intersect in justice. So they intersect in that way. But, right. Can you tell us any uh, just a little bit more about what the international organization is doing? Yeah. So my day job, I work for an organization that addresses Middle East peace and specifically how Christians can be involved in that. Um, so we do a lot of work educating U.S. Christians on peace and justice and loving neighbors. So it intersects in that way with the work that I do outside of that. Um, but there's not a whole ton of overlap there. I I get that. That's kind of been how my life has been the last few years. And I it can be hard, can't it, to feel frazzled in your focus yeah. and a little torn maybe in your passions? Yeah. So finding time to do all of that um, can be a challenge. Um, thankfully, you know, I've been able to find that time. My day job that pays all the bills is super flexible in terms of my work hours and such. Um, so I've just been really blessed to to have the time to do the work that is my passion, that is about bodies and community and uh, seeing bodies the way God sees bodies. You know, Nicole, I, I'm, I have this international bent. Um, in fact, we have a mutual friend that I went to grad school with for international community development. So mm-hmm. I could very easily go down the rabbit trail of, <laughs> of your work in the Middle East and around peace. But I'm curious, have you seen um, intersections. Have you had an opportunity even to see any intersection between what other cultures might be facing or, or beginning to struggle with in terms of body and body image and body shaming? Like, mm-hmm. have you gotten into the nitty gritty in any ways into the Middle Eastern culture? Not with the Middle East specifically. Um, I haven't done a whole ton of work outside of U.S. context. Um, This morning, though, I was reading this article by an anonymous author, so I don't know who it was, um, but from the context of what she was explaining, she was um, living in India and growing up in India and talking about the way body shame showed up in her life um, as a fat child from very young. And I, um, the ways that I saw my story resonate in her story were, uh, were many. And so I think part of our Western American culture is definitely plays a part in body shame, but the more and more I hear stories from people elsewhere, it's becoming sadly a universal trend um, for bodies to be shamed for their size. And it's something that people and women especially deal with the world over. Um, So I'd like to see the trend go the opposite direction in our American media or Western influence not have that much impact. Right. Well, that's certainly one of my uh, passions coming into Mm -hmm. this new podcast um, is to view us as women around the world as sisters and 
kind of highlight how much we have in common for good or for bad mm-hmm. and how similar the things are that we struggle with, that we fight for, that we, um, you know, I just believe that those are ways that we're reflecting the image of God in us. And so even in this, right, this shared struggle, um, the pain that this woman in India is describing is not unlike yours, and yet you grew up in such vastly different spaces. So I, mm-hmm. I just think that's interesting, and it's something that I will continue to talk about on this podcast. Um, I wanted to to kind of give some context for fierce and lovely, and ask you to speak into that a little bit. So when I think about fierce, I think of it as this concept of women joining God to come against or or to challenge evil in the world or injustice or things we see that are not right. And when I think of lovely, I think it's this um, idea of women joining God to bring forth and create life and beauty in the world. And I I so see you doing that, Nicole, which is why I wanted to have you on this show. But let's talk a little bit about fierce for a minute. And you mentioned that you call yourself a fat acceptance advocate. Mm -hmm. And gosh, that for me rings true with this idea of fierce. Can you tell us just a little bit more about what that means to you, um, how you are speaking into the Christian culture? in a way that's coming against and challenging something that you have seen is unjust or not right? Yeah. So I share this, this story often. So um, it's in my introduction as well, but my, the first time I knew that I was going to talk about this in the church context, that I was going to advocate for fat bodies was because there was a morning where I was at my church very early on a Monday morning at their open prayer time, open sanctuary prayer time. And I, um, I had been struggling with a number of things some relationships and was just, um, broken. And that's, you know, cliche, but like, that's the best way I know how to explain kind of my state that day. Um, and so I went five o'clock on this Monday morning to go pray at a church and I'm at the altar and I'm crying and praying and someone comes up to me to pray with me. Um, and when they, Pray out loud. Their prayer is for my body that I can overcome the sin that is making me fat and walk in freedom. Um, and that was definitely not what was upsetting me that day. Was my body? I had uh, been working or had learned about the idea of fat acceptance a few years before that, and was increasingly claiming that and owning that as my own at that point. Um, and so when I talk about fat acceptance in the church. What I'm doing is I'm asking the church to see beyond our bodies, to see who we are as a whole. And I think so often in our culture, but even in the church, everyone sees our bodies, our fat bodies, and stops there and doesn't see anything else about us and doesn't imagine any other pains or sorrows we could be dealing with, doesn't imagine joys that we could experience. And so our bodies become the single story of who we are. And when that happens, we both, um, we shut people out from being able to participate in the church and we make our church less welcoming for others who may not be in the church yet. And so talking about your idea of fierce and that we're standing up, I very much view it as um, something I'm called to first, not only to 
to name my own dignity and my own humanity, but to ask the church to see better the people around us, our our neighbors and our enemies, the people in the pews and the people outside. And what are we missing when our body shame clouds our entire vision of people we see around us? Hmm. What a harmful experience there at the altar that morning for you. And I'm sure that was you know, I'm at the end of a long list of, of similar experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, what, if I might ask, what precipitated the shift for you to begin to explore fat acceptance, to begin to embrace your body? Mm-hmm. What, what were some of the events or, or experiences in your life that began that journey? Yeah, so I stumbled into the idea um, in college. I was looking online to try to like find fat fashion tips um, and instead found this community of people who were fat and it was about fashion, but it came with this side of political activism and fat politics, as we call it. Um, and so I started reading there and just exploring and questioning this idea of fat being okay. And I had very much grown up with fat was bad, fat was all of these horrible things. It meant you had no self-control. You didn't love God enough. It meant you were super sick and couldn't do anything active. Um, And so I started questioning and I was like, well, I'm actually, you know, all of these things aren't true about me. Everything they say about fat people, like some might be a little true, some aren't true at all. But I was realizing that I, as a person, was as unique and varied as the next person and that my fatness was not this controlling factor that dictated my life. Hmm. And so as I started just to realize the truth and the reality of that, I started questioning some of my own assumptions about what fatness meant about me or the world around me or other people. Um, And so I questioned that. And eventually years later um, I was in seminary and was able to do a lot of theological work around this idea of fatness and gluttony and food and body size and where that shows up in both Christian scriptures or how bodies are talked about in early Christian writings and just looking at that and exploring and um, trying to understand how God sees bodies and their size and how we treat them. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of how I got started there. You know, I bet that I bet gluttony is one of the things that comes up the most in your conversations with Christians? All the time. Everyone <laughs> likes to call fatness gluttony. It is not gluttony. Fatness so, and gluttony are different things. Tell us a little bit about that. What? Tell us some of the differences that you learned about. Yeah. So I have an entire chapter on this in my book, which was one of my favorite chapters because it's a little bit nerdy and I like being a little bit nerdy. Um, but gluttony, so my definition is gluttony is consumption at the expense of others, especially the marginalized. Hmm. Um, And there's a few different stories in the Bible that I look at. Um, And and one of them, there's a story of a man named King Eglon in Judges. And uh, those who are familiar with some of the more comical Old Testament stories might know this one, but he was a very fat man who was a king, an oppressive king. um, And he is assassinated in this very like, 
humorous, grotesque story where there's like his belly swallows a dagger and there's intestines spilling and it's, you know, it's right. part of it's the one humor of, those, of the story. One of those yeah, stories. Yeah, it's one of those stories. Um, but if you look at the story, like Eglon is both gluttonous and fat, um, which people with, are hopeful like, you like that story? I'm like, yes. Because <laughs> Eglon, first, there's a fat guy in the Bible. Like, it's not a new thing. McDonald's did not invent fatness. Right. Like, it's been around. Yes, right. And then, but Eglon is this oppressive king. And if you read the story, all of the judgment and all of the reasons he is evil is because he oppresses the people he's supposed to care for. It's not about his size. His size is part of the story. It's a literary device that, you know, if I had been God's editor, I might have like been like, can we use something less obvious, please? But it's in there. Um, and so you look, and Eglon has this very fancy palace and his people live in poverty and he has cool rooms and shade and it's, it's nice. It's almost like, you know, air conditioning back in the day and his people live in this hot and arid without shade place. So there's all these contrasts of how he oppressed. Um, And that is his gluttony that he consumed in a way that did not honor the people around him. And he oppressed them in his consumption. Um, there's numerous feasts in the Bible where God encourages us, encourages us to feast. And it's part of our community. And it's part of how we serve and we love each other by, by feasting on food. Um, so the feast itself cannot be the problem. It's about how it impacts our neighbors and our world around us. Mm, wow. Yeah, such a different perception than I think we have. I think, And I think we've narrowed it down to food alone. And I hear in your description that it's far more than just food. Yeah. Um, it it feels sure. like an indictment yeah. on America in many ways. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, I talk about in the book, just some of the ways that we, as our current contemporary American culture, so often consume without thinking about the people that our consumption hurts. Um, and it's hard to do. It's hard. Like our supply chains are so complex and uh, so dependent on labor from immigrants or others who are probably not treated the best, or I know are not treated fairly in the food supply chain and, and being thoughtful about that and seeking to to honor people and how you consume food and which food consume and where you buy it from can get overwhelming fast. Uh, but I think seeking that or pursuing that is worth, worth it to avoid actual gluttony, which is consuming without thought to others right? Um, in ways that oppress them. Right. Mm-hmm. So is this part of some of your ideas around community? Um, just better understanding kind of the global community and our impact and, and connection there, or talk more a little bit about how you're passionate about yeah, community. For sure. So one of my big things is talking about bodies and church. Um, there's this, there's this huge movement in the Christian culture where there's all these things I call diet devotionals. And they're all about, you know, how to get thin for God and using diets they say are from the Bible. And there's just tons of them. Um and all of those books are all about yourself and your body. And you and like diet culture is about yourself and your body so often. 
And I'm saying that what God is asking for us is to think about community and how our choices and the way that we interact with our body affects those people around us. Um, The great commandment is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. So yourself has a part there, but it's about neighbor and it's about God and it's about having the time and the focus and putting your perspective on people besides yourself. And yeah, the gluttony thing is one way to do that because gluttony is not just about what food does to your waistline. It's not about that at all. Gluttony is about what consumption does to community and to those around us. And it's a bigger picture than just if our body is thin or if our body is hitting the right number on the scale that we want. Um, We can better evaluate our, how we're doing as a person of God by asking ourselves how our choices are impacting those around us than looking at a number on a scale. Um, And so I think so often just the way that we've so individualized our faith in general, like we see it all over the place. But one of those ways is claiming that thinness is a spiritual uh, strength or that we've learned enough self-control and that's evidenced by how thin we are or how much we exercise or what kind of food we eat. But it's all about ourself. It's all about what it does for our own body. And I think God asks us to take the focus off of ourself and how does how do we interact as a community and build each other up and show love and care um, and freedom to the people around us. Mm. Yeah, that is that is beautiful, Nicole. And I'm wondering, have you experienced that? Like have you have you seen that in a church that you've been a part of or in a Christian community that you've been a part of where you can say they are getting it. They get it. They get what I'm trying to say. And, um, you know, you feel welcomed, you feel normalized, you feel a part of things. Can you point to Mm -hmm. a group that is an example of that for you? So probably um, the best group that just did it really well. And I could no idea how to tell people how to do it as well as this group did it. Um, But when I was in seminary, uh, there was a group of us that were just, we all lived in the same apartment complex and we were all students at the same time. And we started inviting people over for dinner, my roommates and I, um, one night a week and a few people showed up and they kept showing up. And so every Sunday night, and then eventually it was more nights a week, we would just all do dinner together and people would cook and people would clean up and we would take turns. And somewhere early in that meeting those people um, and doing dinner together, we all started talking and we just shared some of our own history with our, with bodies and food. And I don't even remember how the topic came up. Um, But every single one of us had some kind of history there where there was struggle and pain. And uh, that was very early on in the year. And after that, there was just this acknowledgement or the silent agreement that we were going to feast without shame, that we would come together and we would eat our food and share bread and chat and get to know each other and do a little bit of life together. And body shame was not going to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, to the best of my knowledge, for all of those meals that we shared together um, for a year, like it was never, there was never any body shame comments. We didn't 
joke about what seconds would do to our waistline. We ate cheesecake without apologizing. Um, <laughs> and sometimes our meals were really simple and sometimes they were elaborate, just depending on who was cooking and what their mood was. Um, but that was just a thing of beauty mm. to just be able to enjoy this breaking of bread. I very much think mm. that breaking bread together as Christians is this integral part of our faith, that it's not just this, it's not just food, mm-hmm. but um, it's part of how we fellowship with each other. Right. And so that was really encouraging. And I get that I've gotten that to degrees here and there at different churches with certain people, um, but never as a full community. Mm. And I think it's hard to do. Yeah. But yeah. And being, being in that, stage of life and that kind of a focus, you know, it lends mm-hmm. itself to some things that are extraordinary, I have found at least. Yeah. But Nicole, okay. here's what I'm hearing. Here's what I'm not hearing in you, in your in just the way you're talking about your experiences and and various theological things that you've come up against. I I don't hear anger. I don't hear cynicism. I don't hear um defensiveness. So to me, that is so lovely that mm-hmm. you have you are fiercely advocating for fat acceptance, which in many ways could be described as an injustice in our church today. And yet you are doing so in a way that is creating life and beauty through your words, mm-hmm. through the way that you're describing things. So kudos. I mean, that is what this podcast is about, is how do we do that? How do we do that well? How do we walk that balance as women, as strong women in today's culture? And so I, I wonder, have you have you considered that balance before? Have you walked that tension um, in a way that you could articulate where you have found yourself perhaps being tempted to not be that way, to not have that spirit of love, um, mm-hmm. but to want to just kind of get your battle gloves on a little bit more. Do you know what I mean? Have you yeah, had an experience absolutely. like that? For sure. Um, and thank you. That's encouraging to hear because I definitely have lots of cynical thoughts and angry <laughs> thoughts often. And I think, you know, there are times when it's appropriate to speak with, uh, firmness or harshness or whatever words you're going to use when you're calling out something that is evil. Um, one thing that helps me specifically in the work that I do is I do believe that for most people, people who advocate um, that thin bodies are better bodies, people who write these diet devotionals, I think for most of them, it at least started as a good intention. Like it is something that they very much believe um, and that there's a lot of their own brokenness that fuels that. And so I have some compassion there and some empathy. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean I'm going to give them a free pass because they're teachers and they're teaching people this thing. And so I'm going to call it out and I'm going to name it as, as wrong um, and against what God's actual call is. But I try to um, remember that this you know, used to be me as well, that you have, there's this brokenness of trying so hard to please God. Um, And so when I can remember that, I can come from a bit bit more place of compassion Mm. in that. Um, And then I'm also just a firm believer that we have to offer the better way. Mm. Um, Calling out and critiquing what is 
evil and wrong is needed and good and voices of prophets and people who do that um, on any issue I'm thankful for. Um, But I want to be able to offer what the next step is. Like how do you turn to the better way? Right. Um, And I think focusing on that is where, is where we get growth Mm -hmm. um, and where we can find the hope and the light um, and the joy to go forward. And that doesn't mean you never get to be angry or you never get to have sorrow or grief over the pain that's been done. Um, But I do believe there's a, there's a step forward. Right. And focus on that. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Nicole, I am the mother of two girls and they are 12 and 15. So I, feel like I'm in the thick of things in terms of body image and culture's influence. Do you have any advice for me? (laughs) Um, I want to do it well. Yeah. Um, I think especially with the girls your age who are, you know, teenagers or preteens. So with younger kids, I often talk about just doing like weight neutral, like just don't mention it with younger kids, like let them explore their bodies um, and name what is good and take joy in bodies and just let them have that. Uh, but as they get older, they're going to hear negative body image, whether you keep your home perfectly clear from it or not. Um, and so I think, especially with teenagers, like just as awkward as it can be, like bring it up, let them talk about it, um, name their fears and honor those fears and validate them and then speak in ways that offer freedom saying bodies are good no matter what. One thing um, I like to do is to name what our bodies offer that might be different than bodies of other sizes um, or how I see the image of God in my own body. And so I'll talk about how um, my fat body might offer a better picture of warmth or comfort Um And that that's one way that a fat body reveals the image of God, whereas a thin body might offer a picture of being able to, I gave this example a while ago when um, the Thai cave rescue was going on and people had to like swim into the super narrow cave to rescue these boys and how thin bodies are uniquely equipped to go into thin spaces or to, to small spaces that God can go and seek and find in places that are hard to get to. And so just naming ways that bodies of different sizes um, just physically represent different things and abilities and ways that we're perceived and how all of these things are good in their very unique ways, uh, but that are different right. and that's right. okay. And just having those frank conversations, I think, with teenagers and letting them talk, read through Song of Solomon. If you have like girls who like to be giggly and just like break down the beauty metaphors, like they make no sense. But what might they mean? Like, what does a trunk look like Uh when you're talking about your woman's legs or like tree trunks? Like, what might that body look Mm -hmm. like? And see how this lover in this book is finding Mm -hmm. it amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, and just affirming some of that. Wow, that's that's really helpful, truly. And you know, I I do try yeah. to be frank and open and honest. Um, but this, I find myself often torn inside, just not knowing, not wanting to mess it up, not wanting to create, um, you know, a belief in them that 
haunts them mm-hmm. 30 years from now. And so right. uh, I appreciate your words of wisdom for sure. And I know that you had a, a great episode on your podcast where you talked about um, being fat as a child. And that was helpful mm-hmm. as well as a parent to listen to some of those uh, reader or listeners who had written you guys some things and you were talking mm-hmm. about that with Amanda. So Nicole, I just appreciate um, how you're speaking into this and how you are have you how you've embraced the image of God in you and you are showing all of us that we are all made in his image and we are all declared beautiful and lovely and I am so impressed um, with how you are embracing both fierce and lovely so thanks for being such an example and for putting it out there in a book and in your podcasts and um I can continue to look forward to seeing where you're speaking into this space. So thanks so much for joining us today on the Fierce and Lovely podcast. I will direct listeners to all the places where they can find you and find your book in the show notes. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks so much, Beth. Really enjoyed chatting with you and being here. Thanks. I don't know about you, but Nicole's given me a lot to think about. What an incredible example to us of approaching body image in a fierce and lovely manner. You can learn more about Nicole by picking up her book, Fat and Faithful, or listening to her podcast of the same name. All of the links to find Nicole or myself are in the show notes. If you like what you're hearing, consider subscribing and leaving a review so that others can more easily find the podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Beth Bruno, and this has been the Fierce and Lovely Podcast.